0: To about learning to look, learning to look. We're in a series called Reclaims, and we're going through the book of Acts together, and we're in Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 3 verse 1, but learning to look. How many people have been driving down the road before, and maybe it's that you have a long trip that you're on, maybe you're going across country, or maybe it's just every day that you're driving this grind to work, and all of a sudden you realize, how did I get here? right? You're like, how many red lights did I just blow through? How many stops? How many people did I just cut off? Because I don't even remember the last 10 minutes. I'm like, how many people have done that before? Yeah, all over. Yeah, we just, it's called highway hypnosis. You start driving. It's something you, you every day you see the same thing and just all of a sudden your mind's on some place or maybe you're tired, you're fatigued and then you just wake up at home. You're like, I don't even remember turning in my driveway. I, and, and then, you know, there's five cats dead on the road somewhere because you weren't even attention. No, you know, they say that when you're in this highway hypnosis, you actually drive Safer. Uh, I don't know if that's really true or not. We're not going to test it out. But, but this thing called highway hypnosis. In fact, in nineteen, uh, I think 70, 20, or not sorry, nineteen twenty nine. The first time they ever did a study on this, uh, they called it sleeping with your eyes open. All right, anybody do that? Sleeping with your eyes open. It's like you're awake but you're not really alert. You're awake, but you're not awake. You're looking, but you're just going through the motions. Or maybe you have ever uh, done a job on an assembly line before this. After a while, you don't even have to think about what you're doing. You're just doing it. You're awake, uh, but you're really kind of sleeping with your eyes open. Uh, We get in days, sometimes we go on autopilot. We're looking where we're going, but we're not really looking with awareness. They say the way to break this is, if you're driving down the road, maybe, you know, roll the window down, wake yourself up, change your seat position, take a couple swigs of some really strong coffee, or turn on the music, start singing something different, and just break that routine. Sometimes you need a change-up to notice where you're going, there's been times where you drew this and you're like, when did that house get changed? Or when did that store get put in? You ever drove by and you're like, I don't even remember that Dollar General. You know, it's like they're everywhere. You know, you just, there's a new one there and I didn't even notice it. it was like not there yesterday. But it's been there for months. You've just been in the zone. Uh, we're driving places in life and sometimes we can be on autopilot. We can be having this automated response to life. And I can relate to this. I'm a very driven person. In my own self, I've kind of learned over the years how to know myself a little bit more, and I can get so focused on the task or project at hand that that is the thing that my mind is set on, and everything else is kind of secondary. And I've, I've learned over the years that I can get so in the zone on what I've got to do this week that I can miss maybe opportunities or I can not think about something I don't care about people or I don't want to be there for you know other people that have maybe something happens in that week I just that's just the way God wired my brain and I've had to work really really hard to keep myself to be aware of these secondary things, these other things, and that may happen in my life, to take days where I rest and recharge, moments to pray every day with God, to reset my brain, to not be so focused on driving through this week, to get to the destination, that I miss the moments that may be occurring right here right now, to have family time, to enjoy it, to enjoy the journey, to listen and to look, and over the last fifteen years of, of a full- time ministry. Uh, not a few times, not just a few times, has God really paused me in my day of routine to stop and look and listen to maybe something outside of the ordinary that he wants me to do? I'll give you uh, just an example or or two. I remember that uh, we had to evangelize. I was in a campus ministry, and we had to evangelize these dormitories, and I went to this dorm, and I knocked on this door. We had to go to each door, and I just began to knock and invite people to our ministry, and this one young man, he's a freshman, he just moved in, and I felt just a connection with him more than other. You know, sometimes you just feel a connection, and I felt the connection with this guy, and, and I began to invite him, and I would take him out to lunch, and I'd go, you know, try to get him out of his dorm to come to church, and, and I just kept on him and on him and on him, and he'd come a few times, and then he'd, he'd disappear for a few weeks, and I just felt like God had put him in my life for a reason. And over the semester, I eventually just had to let him go. He just, I had to move on to other students who I was ministering to and taking out to lunch and coffee every weekend. And I was sad about it, but that's just the way it was. Then four years later, I get a phone call or a message in the middle of the night, and this young man says, hey, it's so-and-so, I don't know if you remember me or not, but I want to thank you for the things that you did on that year and that day. He said, I, it wasn't long after that that I had dropped out of college, got off in drugs. Someone told me about this ministry teen challenge. I went through that, and today I'm in Bible school. And I just want to thank you for the role that you played in my story. You see, you don't know sometimes why God puts certain people in your path. And our job is to listen and to look because maybe you're going to be a part of God's story in their life. Four years later, I would never expect a phone call. I thought it was just some random thing that I had done that God had put someone in my life. I'll tell you, uh, even just a few years ago, I was on the way here to our church office. And the Lord very clearly, as I passed the park, began to say, don't go to the office today. Go over to Tarver Park. And so that day, I, um, it was about five years ago, I, I decided, you know, I'm just going to go over there and just go door to door. Normally I don't do that by myself. And, and I was by myself that time. Pastor Christian wasn't on staff yet. And, and I just went and began to knock and just talk, pray. Well, I don't know, just whatever the Lord would lead me to do. And I remember going to several people and being able to pray for them. And one lady who was ill on her couch and she had a hip issue and I began to pray for her. And, and just, to, uh, just to see this intergenerational Walking going across racial barriers, and here's this young guy praying for her, but really, I remember to this day the one man, and I can, I can pick out his apartment. I don't know if he's still alive or there today or not. But he was in a wheelchair, and as I began to talk to him, he just began to share how his family had disowned him, and he was, he was on alcohol, there was alcohol all over uh, the, the room, and, and I was he's, uh, just depressed and hopeless and in despair. And I knew that I had come there that day for him. I never told anybody really this. And I just began to encourage him and the Lord and tell him, that, hey, man, we love you. We're sanctuaries here for you. And I prayed for him. I don't know the rest of that story. But I know that there are moments in our life if we could just learn to listen to the Holy Spirit and look with spiritual eyes. There may be people that we're passing by that God wants you to lift up. We may not always get to see the whole story, but it's moments like these I have felt the most awake out of that spiritual slumber. Because if we're not careful, we can go to church and really miss the point. We can just be in the zone with where we're going, what we're doing, and not paying attention to really where we are right now. Missing moments, trying to get to where we're going to go. Always trying to get through the daily grind and just being fatigued by life that we just find ourselves on autopilot, missing these God-ordained moments. You see, this power of the Holy Spirit is for one purpose. It's for reaching people. This power has a purpose, and it's for reaching people. And this thing that God has given you is meant to be given away. I want to have so much of Jesus within me That it's like that there would be a dripping of puddles lifting behind. That everywhere you go, there'd be so much of the overflow of Jesus that everywhere you left, there'd be a trail of water. That there would be some remnant that you had touched somebody's life every pathway that you take. There'd be some imprint of Christ in your life. But here's the deal. If we only have enough of Jesus just to get through the day, if we only have just a little bit of Jesus that we're barely getting through the day, you're not going to have enough to give away. We just have a little bit of Jesus because you can't give Jesus away if you don't have enough of him to get through your day. So here's my question. Are we asleep with our eyes open? Are we listening and looking to the Holy Spirit for opportunities to give Jesus away? Look with me in Acts chapter 3, verse 1. I want to talk to you about listen, look, and lift up. Listen, look, and lift up. We are finding ourselves now... Peter and John, both apostles, have gone through the upper room moment the day of Pentecost has come in. This church is filled with the Holy Spirit and 3,000 people have just been saved and baptized in water and full of the Holy Spirit. The church is sharing possessions. They're going out. Man, there's great gladness and joy and finding favor with all the people. And there's house churches breaking out all over the city. And probably some months or some time has passed now and Peter and John find themselves going regularly to the temple at 9 in the morning, 12, and at 3. Those are the Jewish hours of prayer. Sacrifices would be made. And here we find Peter and John with the Holy Spirit evident on their life, being a part of this messianic community. They have the works of Jesus and the power of Jesus On their life, and so we find ourselves. Acts chapter three, verse one. Here it says, "Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour. That's three p.m., the hour of prayer. And a man who'd been able, unable to walk from birth, we'll find out later he was about forty years old, was being carried, whom they used to sit down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order for him to beg charitable gifts from those entering the temple grounds. Now, when he saw somebody say, he saw, saw. I want you to kind of think about every time it says look, saw, or perceive." Because there's some action words I'm going to pull out here. He saw, emphasis there, Peter and John about to go into the temple grounds. He began asking to receive a charitable gifts. But Peter, along with John, looked at him intently and said, look at us. And he gave him his attention expecting to receive something from them. A lot of looking here. Peter said, I, don't have, I do not have silver and gold, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, walk. And grasping him or seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his ankles were strengthened, and he leaped up. He stood. He began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw, saw, they saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as being the very one He used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple and beg for charitable gifts. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. This miracle would go on. We'll see in a couple of weeks that it would lead 5,000 people to the Lord. Peter gets to preach another sermon. And God had a purpose for this man's pain. He was going to use this opportunity to reach more people for his son's glory. He comes to Peter and he says, Peter, I want you to give something away. Now, the first part here is there's a, a listening, a looking, and a lifting up. So let's talk about the listening part. There was a listening. Peter and John, they're headed to pray at, at 3 p.m. And for most re- Christian or whatever, Jews at that day, this was just a religious routine. This is just another thing to go through the motions and go through. And just like we can do sometimes in our life, just to get through the week, just to get to church, just to get to our Bible time, just to get to home, just to go through the day and trying to get to the next thing on the next day. And most people, it says that many people knew this man because he was always there. How many people passed by this man every day? By the thousands, by the thousands. He would have been one of hundreds of beggars in that day. And there would have been thousands of people after this time going through this man. And many people knew him how many people had passed by. But God was looking for one Christ follower who'd be listening to the Holy Spirit. It would just take one Christ follower who would listen to the Holy Spirit. And Peter, had he passed that man that day, he would have probably erred on being religious like the rest of them. And it says that Peter and John at first did not see him, but this man saw them. It says, this man saw them. And that word there that he said he saw is Edon, It's in the Greek, and it means to see with physical eyes, to just see them and perceive them. And when he perceived them and he saw them with his natural eyes, he asked for something. He was begging or for charity. Another word could be for pity. He was asking for pity. He was asking for mercy. He was asking for charity. In the natural, he wanted natural things. This man had lost all hope that from birth for 40 years, he had never been able to walk. He was born this way. His his mind was not on supernatural things. His mind was only on natural things. This is all I can see that could be possible in my life. The best thing I can hope for is you can just give me a few dollars just to get through my week again, just in the natural. But God had a plan For this man's pain, he had a plan for this man. this Christ follower happened to listen to the Holy Spirit. I believe Peter was walking that day, and it's like in Galatians 5.25, it says, if you live in the Spirit, stay in step with the Spirit. Peter was looking at the footsteps of the Holy Spirit, and he was trying to stay in step with the Spirit. He wasn't just going on autopilot through his life. He, He was aware, and I believe in that moment, the Holy Spirit said, listen, there's someone I want you to do something to for today. And he began to listen, and he heard the Spirit direct him to this man. You see, there's so many people outside of God's presence. This man was outside the temple courts, outside the presence of God. The lame could not come in. This man was excluded from going to prayer. He was excluded from the people of God. He was excluded from his own people. And how many people do we pass by every day who are begging for natural things outside the presence of God? The church and religious world is passing them by every day and they are excluded from the presence and all they can hope for in this life is natural things. Let me get a better job. Let me find a better relationship. Let me have some more money. Let me have more success in my life. Let me get another degree. Let me find something that's going to satisfy. But they're begging for natural things outside the presence of God. And it just takes one Christian, one Christ follower who'll pass them with listening ears, Church, we can miss the point. Peter and John are listened. And are we listening to the Holy Spirit? The next thing is as they listened. They began to look, God, who are you telling me I'm supposed to talk to today? Who are you telling me I'm supposed to go to today? What do you want me to do today? Holy Spirit, how do I have your way in my life? And as they began to look around, this one beggar got Peter's. Out of a, probably a 100 beggars, this one beggar stood out and Peter And the Bible says that Peter, look at that verse, it says he fixed his gaze. It means he stared intently in the Greek. And this word stared intently is this perceiving or this really to look. And in fact, what it would would mean in this case, it means that Peter began to see him not just in the natural, but to see him with spiritual eyes. This man looked at him in the natural, but Peter began to look at him in the spiritual. He began to see and sense the Holy Spirit was about to do something in this man's life. He came with, with faith, something that he was about to take away. He had been so full of Jesus in his life, perhaps that morning in his prayer time, in the experience of the Holy Spirit, that when he came, he said, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do today? And the Holy Spirit said, listen, I've got something for you to do. And he says, okay, I'm looking. And he said, that guy right there. And the Holy Spirit said, that's the one. Go talk to him. So Peter, I think from the crowd, I think he was just kind of sitting there looking at him, just seeing into his heart, just giving God giving him a word for this man's life. And he fixed his gaze. But here he looks at this man. This man is looking around. And he's just alms, alms, alms. He's looking, but he's not really awake. This man's on autopilot just like the rest of the world. But Peter felt God was going to heal him. In John 16, remember what Jesus had told him? He said, guys, when the spirit of truth comes, the Holy Spirit, he's going to guide you into truth. He's not going to just speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you things that are to come. I believe the Holy Spirit began telling Peter, Peter, we're going to heal this guy today. Peter, I want you to give this man something. And so when he perceives he this man, this man sees him, but he, then now Peter sees him in the, natu- in the spiritual, he says, I'm seeing him, I'm staring intently, and he comes over to him. And what does he command the man to do? He commands the man to look at him. Well, you just read that he already saw him, so why would Peter say, look at us? I mean, if I come over here to Pastor Christian, I say, Pastor Christian, look at me. He's like, I'm looking at you, what are you talking about? But Peter says, look at us. If you look that up in the Greek, I was, I was studying this out this week, and I'm like, why did he say, look at him? Because the word that, the, the, that Luke uses for the man seeing Peter is edu, edon, like I said, and that is the natural look. But when Peter uh, speaks it, Luke uses a different word, blepo, and that word means to look with expectation, I love that. It means to look in the natural, but to expect something spiritual. It means to look and say, watch this. When someone comes to you and says, watch this, what are you going to think? Well, they're about to do something. He says, look at us. Look at me. And it catches the man's attention. And he's like, oh, I'm expecting something now. He was calling out faith in the man's life. He was speaking into him and saying, stop looking at me just with naturalized. Watch this. God's about to do something in your life. Wake up out of your slumber. You know what it takes a living person, an awaked a person, an awake person to wake up a sleeping person? A sleeping person can't wake up asleep, unless you're snoring, right? But a sleeping person can't wake up a sleeping person. A living person has to wake up a dead person. It is, he says, I'm calling you to awakeness. And when the Bible says that he seized him, it means that he grasped him as if to arouse him, to wake up. Look at us. We are so often going through the natural eyes in this world. Peter was calling the man, and he was about to speak into the man's real need. Real need. Not just the physical need. Now, no, I'll tell you something. Peter didn't lie when he said, silver and gold had I none. He could have said, I have a 20, but what I have, I give to you more, right? We would have to lie today, most of us. We wouldn't have, we, some of us lie anyway, right? I don't have anything, sorry, don't have any change, sorry, you know, right? That, come on now, Y'all, I know how it is, right? Peter wasn't lying, he had given all of his money to the church that day, to that 120 movement of 3,000, and he says, what I have though, what I have is the overflow of the abundance." of Jesus Christ. What I have to give you is not in the natural, it's in the supernatural. What I have to give you is more than you could ever ask for. God, can you think about it, church? Jesus has more than you could ever ask for. This is while we were yet sinners. He died for us. We weren't looking for God, but God was looking for us. And when we were ignorant and blind and all the things that the devil had put on us and the shame and the slander, Jesus from heaven saw our need and he came and he died on the cross. He's always been a God who gives you more than you could ever ask. Ever ask. This man wasn't asking for anything except for just a few dollars. And Jesus says, I'm going to give you more than you could ever ask for. Maybe you're in that place right now. Maybe you're in a place you've been asking for something. I want to remind you, God has everything to meet your deficiency. He has everything to meet your inadequacy. He has your joy, your hope, your new beginning. He has your change. And Peter and John were able to listen and look, and they made a connection. Maybe today you've been passed by so many times like this man I was singing about this this week. Lord, forgive me for every person I've passed by, and even for the church. God, forgive us for every person who's been asking for something, and the church has just passed by in our busyness and our routine and our autopilot. And there is a broken and a hurting world that Jesus has come to meet. And he has a, a Holy Spirit that He's given in His church a power for their purpose, for their identity, for their power. He has their hope, their joy, he has their change. He has the, the thing that they really need. And so if you've been missed by the church, I'm sorry. And if we've not seen your hurt, I'm sorry. And if we've pitied you but not prayed for you, I'm sorry because Jesus loves lifting the broken. And that's what they did. They lifted him. They looked, they listened, and they looked, and they they lifted. Because Matthew records that Jesus had told them in chapter 9, Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I came to call not the righteous, but the sinners. Peter and John had learned not to miss the moments throughout their day, to listen and look for the Holy Spirit, to do something supernatural. And here they are at this beautiful gate, the gate called beautiful, and, and and we don't really know where this gate was. It likely this eastern gate, and it was the gate between the Gentile courts of the nations and the inner courts of the women, the men, and the and the priests. So all the Jews could go in, but no nobody else could go in. And here's this man begging out of some outside of something beautiful. In fact, this is that eastern gate that was the Messiah's gate prophesied, probably the gate that Jesus came in riding on a donkey that the Old Testament said, you'd be watching for this guy riding through this eastern gate. This is the Messiah's gate. It's called sometimes the gate of mercy. He was one moment from mercy. He was just outside of Jesus. He was begging on the other side of something beautiful. And here's this moment that when everything was looking from a place of lack in his life, Jesus was going to lavish him in his grace. There's this thing that God is about to do outside of something beautiful, and his life was overwhelming, but their life had been overflowing in the presence of the Holy Spirit. That river of living water had been pouring out of Peter and John's life, and they were ready to give him what they have. I wonder, maybe we're not giving what we have because we don't have it. The abundance, the overflow, because if I've only got enough to get through my week and what I've done is I've given all, somebody takes my patience and I've got no patience to give the next person. Come on. Isn't that how that works? Somebody takes my joy in the morning at work before the first meeting of the office and then I've got no joy to give the next person that it needs joy in my life because I'm not living in the overflow. I know we're preaching now. I'm not living in the overflow. He says, what I have, I give to you. How can you give it? Unless it's really just waiting to be overflowed in your life. Peter's faith stepped in the action. He heard what he Heard the spirit, he looked, he saw, he sees this man. It means to lay hold of him, and the Bible says he raised him, and the word in the Greek means to arouse him. It's the same word that we would use to raise the dead. It's the same word we would use to pull someone up out of bed when they're asleep, and it's as if he was in a spiritual slumber. And Peter says, "Look at us and expect God to do something." And he takes him and he pulls him up. I believe it was a violent thing. He seized him and he pulled him as if to wake up. And as soon as the man put his feet up. The Bible says instantly he was healed and he leaped. You ever had somebody do that in gymnastics? They pull you and then you get up. I mean, it's just like that. It's like, oh my gosh. He was aroused from that spiritual slumber. He was no longer asleep and dead like the rest of the world. He had met God for the first time in his life. He'd been begging outside of something beautiful, but now he experienced the beautiful presence of the Almighty God. He'd been outside the gate of mercy for the entire life of his 40 years. He'd been begging outside of mercy, but now he experienced mercy for the first time. Come on, somebody. He was just looking for Jesus to come through that gate one more time and maybe he'd be there, but thank god it was a christ follower who had jesus living on the inside of him who was walking in abundance and overflow and he had some jesus to give him how many people do we pass by who are outside the gate of mercy who are outside of something beautiful they're just one moment away from experiencing god for the first time in their life and we just pass by even on the way to prayer even in our religious routine. God, wake us up from our spiritual slumber, from this highway uh, sleeping. That God, we're not just trying to get through our week, but God, we're listening, we're looking, we're willing to lift somebody up by the power of the Holy Spirit. You say, well, how did they heal him? I don't know. All kinds of people take this passage, like, how did that happen? Let's find a formula for healing. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit told them to listen, the Holy Spirit told him to look. The Holy Spirit told him what to say, and the Holy Spirit inspired him with the faith to do it. It was not a work of man at all. It was the en- entirety was the Holy Spirit. So here, let me tell you something: healing is God's job. Your job is to look and listen. Healing is God's job. My job is just to be obedient, and let God do the healing, let God do the saving, let God do the restoring. That's not my job. My job is looking and listening. I'll tell you in a, one, one of the first times I. So God used me in the gift of healing, and you know, we were praying for our college students on campus, and so I, most of my beginning stories, I got called into campus ministry, and God called me out of that, and, and we had all of our students were in the front praying, and I was just praying for all of our guys, and all the, the, the gentlemen who were in the front, there's about 20 or 30 of them, and I just began to go behind them, and lay my hands on them, and pray for them, and I came to one guy, he's a very athletic guy, and very active, and put my hand on his back and prayed for him and just went on and, 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 and went out with the service. At the end of the service, he runs up to me and said, what did you do? And I am not even know what you're talking about. He says, I, I said, I don't even know what, I was just praying general stuff over you. And he said, what did you do? He said, when I was up at the front praying for a healing in my back, I'd been facing a lot of back pain in my life uh, that week or that month. He says, exactly where you touched me was the place that I had had pain in. And he said, Whatever you laid your hand on my back, it was like fire and heat, intense heat, just shot from that spot through the entirety of my back. And instantly, I had no more back pain. And I was like, well, glory to God, because I was too stupid to know what I was doing anyway. Because I mean, I just laid my hand on somebody, and you pray. And it's God that does the work, and it's God that gets the glory. And that's all for Jesus. He and Jesus had a moment. I just got to be a part of it. It's not about us. Our job is to look and to listen and lend a hand. May God help us to give what we have. It was in uh, October 2007, God had been dealing with me. I was... I was just starting in the ministry, and God was saying to me, trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. I was just learning to hear God's voice for the first time. I never, God, I never, this whole stuff like what I'm talking about, this is new to me, hearing God's voice and doing things and saying things. Since then, I've seen, talked to people at gas stations and homeless people I've picked up and given words to or people, strangers in the middle of the, the, the at the fuel pump or, or door-to-door ministry, uh, random people in this one of these first times i remember god saying heath you can trust me to i want you to be a servant and i want you to trust me for your provision and i remember driving down the road in columbia missouri and it was a fall so it's getting cold and it clearly as I, and there's hundreds of homeless people in our town and clearly god says that one that one and i pulled I, I just i didn't know what he's like give him your jacket give him your jacket and this is not a bragging thing it's not about the money he says, give him your jacket. So I pulled over and gave this man my jacket just to be able to share Jesus a little bit with him. And, and that was it. And then I moved on. In that moment, I looked back and I was like, God was testing me just to see if I'd be willing to look and listen. And after that, just, I can't even tell you the stories. All the times God has done little things like that. And here's the deal. I don't know if at that very moment that guy had said, God, I really need a coat. And it, God was just saying, what Christian is close that I can get to give him a jacket? That prayer could have set him on a course. That I will never know till heaven. I don't know the rest of his story. That's not my job. My job is to say, God, help us to be your hands and feet. God, we just want to look and listen and lend a hand to someone. God, what is the, what is the point of all this power we're talking about? What's the point of church? We can go to this thing and miss the point. There was a, there was a young man a couple of years ago, about five years ago. We were here in the office, and, and Stacy was here, I think, and and there's these uh, four or five young men who had been dropped off here from Alexandria, and they were, they had a funeral, and somehow or another, they didn't even, they didn't know where we were. they were. They had no ride to get home, and so we kind of directed them to the Townsman Inn, and, and uh, they were kind of scared about uh, being in rural Louisiana, okay, in, in the middle of the night, I guess, or something, and so we're like, well, go there, and, and maybe, you know, your friends can come pick you up the next day, and one of them, apparently, I didn't know this, but had not had decided he didn't want to stay in Gina. He had heard about our town, okay, you know, and uh, some of our history is not so great, and so he decided he was going to walk back to Alexandria. Unfortunately, the young man did not know how far that was of a walk. It's an hour drive, you know, and so can you imagine an hour walk? So I, I, I didn't know anything about this, so I get in my car. I happened to live down Highway 84 at the time, and I was, you know, sometimes you just ask God for divine opportunities, and God, what is the, what's the moments you want us to do? And, uh, I just happened to be passing. I just happened to leave the office at a certain time. I had just happened to catch that that was the guy. He had just happened to be, I mean, they were looking for, they just happened to come to our church that day, just asking for assistance, and we helped them out. And as I'm like, I passed, I'm like, I think that's one of the young men that we ministered to today. So I pulled over, and I, here you go, you know, in this day and age, you never know who you're going to pull over and wh- what you're going to pick up, and it's dangerous, and so you need to have the Lord tell you that. Pick this young man up, and I just said, hey, you know, are you, gonna, you, you were one of the guys that we gave the room to, and he's like, yeah, I just can't, I've got to get home. I was like, where are you going? I was I said, okay, well, how about I help you? So he got in the car, and uh, I began to just talk to him, just, just sharing the gospel, just to say, have a casual conversation. Just let the Lord direct it. Now, as I began, I just felt boldness come over me to share this, the message. Just share Jesus. He, he clearly had never heard. He was really not open to it whatsoever. And as he began to listen, I just kept talking. I just kept talking. And I was going to drop him off at a certain part. And I said, you know, I got more talking. So I just began to kept driving and went all the way to Pollock and just began to share. And he got out of the car. And I, you know, I said, Lord, man, I just pray for you, man, and just, you know, bless him. And he went on with his life. And I don't know. I'd like to tell you, man, that they got saved and you know filled with the Holy Spirit right there on the side of the gas station. Sometimes you're just a part of the story. I'll end with this. Years ago, I heard the true story of a many, many, many years ago. It had happened in across the United States. i uh, was told this story that this hitchhiker had run from the Lord and he was looking for hope in his life and he was very troubled. He experienced alcohol and all these other things. And he gets on the highway to go across the United States and he gets picked up by this first Christian. And as they began to pick him up and they felt the Lord impress upon them, they begin to share the gospel. Well, they had to lead him out at this certain exit and so they only got to share just a piece of it. He gets his bag and he begins to walk and go down the highway again. Sure enough, the Lord directed another Christian and they picked him up at the next exit, and they began to share, guess what, the second part of the gospel message to him. And it goes another exit, and they drop him off again. And sure enough, a third time, this young man gets picked up by a Christian, and they begin to share the full, completed message of the gospel to him. And exactly where that Christian would drop him off just so happened to be, in that day, a tent revival meeting happening at that exit. And that young man felt... God had been doing something all the, I mean what are the odds that each Christian had picked him up and given him the gospel message and he went in that tent meeting and got saved that very day You don't know what God is wanting to write up in heaven and he's just looking for a believer a Christ follower who will listen every day to the holy spirit look around them and say God who can I give a hand to who can I lift up and Lord may I have so much overflow That when someone asks of me, I have something to give away. Would you stand with me this morning? David wrote, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy follows me. What's following you? What's flowing out from you? Can the Holy Spirit speak to you today? How many people are broken just outside of beautiful? How how many people have we passed by because we've had nothing to give? Maybe we've been on autopilot. We're fatigued by life. We're just trying to get through our next day. We've lost our patience or joy with one person. I'm praying that we have so much in us that no one can take our joy. No one can take our patience. No one can take our peace. That we have so much to give this world in Jesus. And if you're here today... There was all, for every person in this room, there was a story that we were all broken, we were all excluded from the presence of God, that none of us were able to walk with God. But God so loved the world, He sent His Son through that gate. He came in as the Prince of Peace for us. He wept over us, He died for us, and He raised us to new life that we who believe on Him, now we can stand. On the firm foundation of Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ. Now, today, we have all been redeemed and rescued. Those who have come to Him by faith in His work. And now all of us can testify to the world He is God's Son. All of us can have His strength and His joy. Are we listening? Are we looking? Are we lifting? It's an old song in 1976 called Learning to Lean. There's a tag in there that says, finding more power than I ever dreamed. Come on church, have we found more power than we've ever dreamed? The Holy Spirit wants to use you every day to be the arms and feet of Jesus. He wants to take your ears, he wants to take your heart, he wants to take your mouth, your hands, your feet, and he wants to use you to change someone's story. He has a purpose for that pain. You're here today, and maybe today you're the broken one. Before we we end this service in prayer, maybe you are the person you say, Pastor, I really have no strength in my life. I find myself insufficient. I've been begging God for something, and I don't know what it is. I've asked for things, and I've yet to find it. I've been going through all the things I could try to find real purpose in my life, to find real identity, to find a real change. And I think this is it. And you're here today and you're willing to give Jesus a chance in your life. And you're here today and you say, I'm ready to trust in Jesus. I'm ready to stand by his power. I'm ready to walk a new life. And I believe that he is the son of God that he died on the cross for my sins, that he was risen from the grave on the third day, and today he's seated at the right hand.